Good morning, lovely people. It is Monday, February 6th. A single game week in Phoenix may have been just what the doctor ordered. The Lopes, aided by the sharp shooting of the dog, Chance McMillan, found success on offense this week as it avenged its January road loss in Nacogdoches, Texas, and beat Stephen F. Austin, 86-83. While the recent struggles of the Antelopes are still fresh in our minds, Saturday's win has undeniably lifted the spirits of the Lopes faithful. We are excited to recap the win and are thankful that you're tuning in as a new episode of Win the Whack 2.0 starts now. So on Saturday, I went to a high school basketball game. A high uh, school a t- basketball game, huh? Yeah, a two-way battle of the century between the new a budding rivalry, uh, the Phoenix Christian Cougars and the Glendale Prep Griffins. The Cougs and the Griffs. Yeah. <laughs> How um, did it go? It was actually a much better game than I thought it would be. Phoenix Christian, uh, it was at PC. Obviously, that's the school that I attended. Glendale Prep is the school that I work at. So there was kind of a, uh, I don't know, a, an ethical dilemma there. Ooh. But the Cougs are really good. They're my favorite to win the 2A. They're awesome. They beat us pretty badly. Well, they beat us by like 15 or 20 at home earlier this year. So I felt like, yeah, we're kind of going to get smoked. Um, were, you, Glendale... were you cheering for PC or are you cheering no, for Glendale? I was not. I'm cheering for Glendale Prep. But what's the reasoning? Behind well, that? I hate Phoenix Christian. Yeah, I cannot stand that school. The school that I went to from K through 12 cannot stand that school. Okay. Um, so it's going to be a it's going to be a go Griffins for me. But gotcha. the Griffins were up for like most of the first half. And it was a really good game. They were up by like uh, they were up by 10 at the half. And I tweeted at the like the AZ Small Ball podcast, and I was like, "Yo, was there an upset alert? <laughs> Glendale Preps up by ten at the half." I saw like, that one. I saw yeah. that. And I was like, "Oh, we had a we had a senior just go absolutely nutso. It was scored twenty. It was a uh, Mr. Ricky's son. Oh, really? Good for yeah. him. He he went crazy. I think he scored twenty two. Um, nice. he had four threes. I think four threes in the first half. He had one. He had back to back threes, and then went down and took this like." the craziest heat check I've ever seen and drained it. And everyone was losing their minds. <laughs> it was crazy. He was awesome. So he popped off. Um, they just, they played really well, but what happens is, and it was the same way in the last game. I think the last time they played Glendale prep was winning at the half. But what Phoenix Christian does is like when they played straight up basketball, they lose because they're not a good basketball team. They're just a bunch of freakishly athletic dudes. So, like, yeah. I think it's a classic Cougar team, which is it's just a bunch of athletes, but that's like, I don't think they're particularly like good or talented. I mean, sorry, they're really talented. I don't think they have good teamwork. I don't think they like have good plays. They're just really scrappy and really athletic, and they play a really good defense. But for whatever reason, they, they just kind of like play it slow and hang out in the first half and then they get behind. Cause I think Glendale preps a little bit. I don't know, tactically better, better shot selection, better ball movement. 
But what always happens is they come out in the second half with this full court press and the full court press turns into a half court trap, like a 32 X type thing. And it was just a nightmare. Like we had the worst time beating the Cougars trap. So it all kind of went downhill. And then Phoenix Christian ended up winning by, uh, winning by 15, I think. Holy cow. Yeah. 25 Um, point swing, which is almost exactly what happened in the last game. But yeah, Phoenix Christian's just really good. I wonder if they play teams that are as talented in them, but better coached if they'll have a hard time. So what you're telling but me is they could good. be way better than they are. Yeah, I think okay. so. I think so. I think they're super talented. Yeah, they're they're just awesome. Yeah, well, so they're really good. But those recall, game. I uh, I coached at Phoenix Christian. I I do bit. I do recall. Yeah. Are any of the guys on the team there when you were there? No, absolutely not. That was because okay, that was uh, oh that would have been five years ago. Yeah, man, it's unbelievable, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Go Cougars, man. So you didn't watch any of the GCU game in real time, did you? No, I did. I watched the first 10 minutes because the GCU game started at six and the Cougar game started at seven. So I watched the first okay. 10 minutes and then I went to the Glendale prep Phoenix Christian game and checked the score while I was there. Every time I checked the score, it was tied in the second half. <laughs> I checked like six different times and it was a different score that was tied. And I was like, this is a, I was like, I was just thought I am so glad I'm not watching this because it would just have been really stressful. And then I saw that we won. And so uh, it was nice to rewatch with the context that we actually win the game, <laughs> made it, <laughs> made it a little bit less painful. I was thinking um, the same exact thing. Yeah. Actually. So knowing that we won made the rewatch less stressful. But the parts I did see were really good. It looks like we came out really strong, but I guess we'll get into that. Uh, yeah. It was nice that we only had one game this week. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I also was not watching the game in real time. Yeah, you were you were somewhere else, huh? Yeah, I was at a different Division One men's basketball game. I was in Missoula, oh. Montana, watching the Montana Grizzlies play against the Northern Arizona Lumberjacks. We uh, we had nice. a couple of games in Missoula um, with our high school teams, so. We decided to take them to a Grizz game afterwards, and it was a really good time, aside from the fact that, as opposed to what the Lopes did, the Grizz were incredibly slow to start. It was painful to watch, just getting shredded in the paint, couldn't couldn't penetrate. The Grizz and the Lopes are very similar. They cannot score. <laughs> the Lopes showed a oh. little bit more ability to score this game, but traditionally, GCU has been poor at scoring this this season yeah uh, poor offense so so the Grizz were very similar to that and so I was just thinking you know it's really it's really sad that the two teams that I cheer for in division one that aren't Gonzaga are really bad at offense <laughs> yeah but this guy Anand Moody went <laughs> I want to say six for eight from three and it wasn't like a Chance McMillan three-point performance it was this guy <laughs> would catch it on the wing eyes away from the basket, turn, fade away, shoot with a guy like in his grill the entire time and just drill it. It was the most incredible shooting performance I've ever seen in my life. So that was, that was crazy. And the Grizz ended up pulling out a win. So that was nice. But uh, like you, I did not watch the Lopes game in real time. I actually watched this morning because I got home from the Grizz game in Missoula at probably midnight. So yeah, it was a late Tough. night. Yep. Yeah. Man. Do you uh do you want to get into questionable scenarios? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Zach, you get one question to ask Bryce Drew about anything, and he has to answer. He has to answer honestly too. 
and he has to answer in depth. What would your question be? Hmm. Does, uh, I'm assuming, like, I guess I can ask him anything, but it should be about basketball. Okay, I'll give you I'll give you two questions: one about basketball, one about not basketball. <laughs> one about basketball. If that's really holding you back. No, no, no. I, 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 because I guess I do want to ask him a basketball question. I think this is what I would ask, and I think that as as a coach, and I know we're we're both coaches. I, I think I, I like to hear this perspective from other coaches because I, I think it, it tells me a lot of who the coach is, both as a coach and as a person. And I, I'd love to hear his philosophy. What do you say? Like, for example, we'll give the example because this happened recently. You go into Tarleton. You're a lot better than Tarleton. Tarleton beats the crap out of you. What is the vibe? Like, what are you saying in that locker room? Genuinely, like what's, What's the what are you what's the plan? What are you going to say to those kids after they get their butts kicked by a team that they're better than? Right? Like cuz we every all as coaches we've all been in that situation. We've all lost a game we shouldn't have lost, right? It's yeah. really frustrating. So I guess my question to that is would you rather ask him that after the fact or just in in general or would you rather sit in the locker room and watch how it happens? No, I, I mean, I'd obviously I'd rather sit there and watch it happen. Like if I could just be a fly on the wall. <laughs> but like I don't really, really awkward about it. Just sitting in the back yeah. of the room while the while the house is on fire. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like the dog. No. It's like the dog at the dinner table. This is fine. <laughs> yeah, but it's no because I mean, like it's true. It is. I don't know. I just I think it, it's very telling of a coach, like how they react in that situation. And I don't know that there's like a right answer, but I think that like how you deal with that situation tells me a lot about coaching philosophy. Yeah, no kidding. And whatever they did say in that locker room, I'm, I'm guessing that it went over pretty well because, I mean, Lopes yeah. came out and played a solid game this this week. So, yeah. all right, Zach, do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? Is it trivia time? It's trivia time. Nice. <laughs> you are currently four and two in trivia time. I am five and one. Do you like to start with the uh, trivia time question? Sure. I was looking through this just because I was really curious and thought like, huh, all time GCU has played a lot of different teams. So all time against division one teams, which team do you think GCU has beaten the most? Who is GCU? Which and this is only D one team, so not like some random D two team from the sixties. It, it's going all the way back to the nineteen fifty season, but only against teams that are now in Division one. Which team do you think we have beaten the most? I'd like one clarifying question. Okay, it'll probably turn into several later down, but my my first thought is: Can it be a team that we played as Division two opponents? And both have since moved up to Division One, or is it a team that has only been Division One? I? I think that counts. If we well, if we were D two and they were D two, and now we're both D one. I no, I don't think so. Actually, I think it's only teams that were D one at the time. So if we were D two and they were D one, I think that's fine. Okay, got you. So yeah. what I'm hearing is the team that we have the most win against wins against. Well, in Division they, I, well, that team was in D one. That team was in D1. Yes. Okay. Is it a team that is currently in the WAC? It is. Okay. Which I which I actually think clears the 
the obvious answer. What's the obvious answer? Chicago State. Chicago State. Yeah. That was yeah. my first thought. Right, right. And so <laughs> it's a current whack team. For context, Chicago State is second. <laughs> hey, speaking of, speaking of the Cougs, yeah. they're, they're having quite the season over there as an independent. Conference champions? <laughs> Undefeated? Let's see. I'm thinking, man, it's got to be UTRGV. It's not. Okay, is it Seattle? It is, it is Seattle. Shoot. <laughs> 15 wins against Seattle. What is RGV? 14? <laughs> uh, Chicago State is in second at 14. Okay. Uh, I don't have the list anymore, but Chicago State is in 14. I think UTRGV is, is in that list. It's certainly double digits. Um, Shoot. But yeah, we're 15 and four all time against Seattle U. I like those odds. I really do. What we don't like, though, is it's almost the opposite numbers for New Mexico for State. New Mexico State, yeah. The other team we play this week. <laughs> oh, man. All right, I got my question for you. Okay. Chance McMillan, the dog, yeah. went six for seven from behind the arc on Saturday against the Lumberjacks. When was the last time, and who was it, that a lope shot 100% from three-point range the caveat being with a minimum of five attempts. 100% from three-point range. So 100% from three, but with at least five three shot. Yeah, because, I mean, you're going to have guys shoot one for one, one or two for one two all the time. on yeah, a regular yeah. basis. Okay. But it has to be a minimum of five attempts, so they got to be the shooter, you know? All right. Let me. right. I'm not going to look at box scores, but let me just look at the games we played. I'll see. Is it? Is it this season? No, no, no way. It's not this season. All right. <laughs> I'll give you another hint. We were okay. in college. Oh, my gosh. All right. <laughs> this seems like something Josh Braun would do. I'm trying to think of who else we have that was just like yucky from three. What? <laughs> dude, Josh Braun was pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> That was quite the adjective. <laughs> dude, so we had some yucky three-point shooters, bro. Josh Braun was pretty good. I don't think Fifi Adu had five three-point attempts in his Lopes career. It was, probably wasn't him. He graduated our freshman year, didn't this, he? This, yeah, this low-key, there just wasn't a lot of crossover, but this seems like a Carlos Johnson stat. Like, I'm I'm picturing, is it like a 2019 Carlos Johnson? No, because Carlos Johnson would go like 10 for 12 from three, I feel like. I don't know. Like, no, I feel Carlos, like he wouldn't Carlos Johnson five. would go like five for 20 from three. If he were five for five, he would not only have shot those five. You know, he exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's no perfect field game for Carlos Johnson. Um, probably. I don't know. I have I have not the slightest idea. Okay, I'll give you one more hint. Okay, he okay, was okay. he was a grad transfer. Okay, uh, so Michael Finky <laughs> is it? Michael Finky? It is not. No, I have no idea. Is it, it is. Asbjorn? It is Casey Benson. Oh, I love that guy. All right, what? All right, give me February eighth, two thousand eighteen, at UTRGV. No way. So Casey Benson, the man. I, I still have him. a. I have a vivid memory of Casey Benson. Not particularly of him, but one of my friends. She who is now married to an awesome dude, by the way. But uh, she went to the game with me and had a sign that said be my boyfriend casey benson and i was like you have got to be kidding she was down bad for casey dude he's a, he's a certified killer i love casey benson certified man. lady what killer is, casey what is benson. he doing what's he up to is no he idea playing? 
Was he playing Euroball? No idea in the slightest. But with that, we both lose this week. Yeah, that's, that's the first time this has happened. Or so, it's because we all the easy, obvious ones are gone. No, right. No, we're trolling. So I've moved to five and two, and you moved to four and three. We're still neck and neck here. See who wins this thing by the end of the season. Just to interject, Casey Benson is playing in Germany. No, oh, good for him. Yeah. And he's been he's been out of school for a while, so he's he's, he's put together a pretty solid pro career. He's been all over Europe. Really? Finland, Bulgaria, Slovakia for two years, and now Germany. Interesting. Do you follow the Breadbasket account on Instagram? No. The guys that do the the fantasy drafts of random items. And then they oh. do like 20 questions. I think I follow those guys on TikTok. Okay, yeah. No, they're hilarious. So when yeah. when I was saying that whoever wins or has the most wins by the end of the season, the trivia time, that's what that's what I was thinking of is the breadbasket guys. Yeah. They're always like, so I'm gonna take this guy first round. They're like picking like best berries. And he's like, I'm gonna take the Huckleberry. He's just an all-around electric guy. He's really gonna bring bring the energy from the bench and he's really gonna fill out this roster. Really, they're, they're just so ridiculous, but I love watching their stuff. So yeah, no, those are funny. There's a, there's yeah. another guy like that. I don't know if it's the same account, but on TikTok where they'll like he'll do like a playoffs or series of like stuff. So it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, he's got uh, the French yeah, fries and stuff. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but it'll just be like oh like French fries versus tater tots. It's like ah, this is a tough one. I got tots and seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think it's a war. I think it goes back and forth, but I got tots and seven. <laughs> They always do this thing. It's like a um, boxing match. Almond versus like pistachio or something. And it, it had me rolling. It's like, yeah, Almond's just a more athletic dude. He's going to, I got Almond by decision. So, all right, that concludes trivia time. Do you want to head into the game for this week, Zach? Yeah, sure. Hey, you know, I'm I'm, I'm watching back the game right now. Um, I, I watched the first half or a little bit of the first half yesterday. I rewatched it this morning and I'm kind of, just watching it through again. It's like on on my second monitor mm-hmm. uh, at the half. I, I didn't realize they did this because I skipped half time, but I it's playing right now. They honored um, Jacob Wilson, uh, one of our baseball players, because I think he's like an all American. Yeah. Jacob Wilson's incredible. Yeah. He's going to like honestly really high on the draft boards. Yeah. He's probably a top five, top 10 pick this year, which is amazing. Our baseball team's gonna be awesome. They got an at-large bid last year to the mm-hmm. NCAA tournament because they lost. They lost to New Mexico State in the in the championship of Ooh. the WAC tournament, and it's still got an at-large, which I know like sucks, but it's I think a testament to how good this program is. Shout yeah, out getting, Andy Stankowitz. Yeah, getting at-large bids that's huge. Dude, I really like. I know this is a basketball podcast, but I really do like GCU baseball, and I will definitely be keeping an eye on them when their season starts. That's got to be pretty soon, right? Yeah, it's it's coming up here, and they they play Ooh. number two Tennessee. Yeah, uh, <laughs> on the eighteenth of February, just under yeah, just under two weeks away. What? Playing yeah, that, baseball that's in February, dude. They also play Sparty on the twentieth at home. Really? Yeah. yeah GCU they baseball has traditionally brought in some really high caliber opponents. Dude, we're playing big teams to start the season. Yeah, Tennessee, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and then Gonzaga. Yeah, those are our first games. That's incredible. Yeah, lopes up, man. We we've hosted Arizona or University of Arizona, so we're playing Arizona and U of A again this year. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, back to the SFA game. Yeah. What were your thoughts on it as a as a game perspective? 
I thought it was a game where we we had to overcome adversity. I think that despite obviously like I'm willing to chalk the Tarleton game up to just like we just I don't know we didn't the have bad it that loss day, for the year, but yeah, which we have every year. I think that like I like I said I I've been on this for months now. GCU has this way about them that they don't die when like when the going gets tough, the lopes get going right. So they don't. They're not. Yeah, that was really cringe. I'm sorry. I thought it was funny. I still think it's. I stand by that. I stand it's by tough that. Tough lobes going. There you go. I loved that. I'm here for that. I think the lobes have a lot of fight. I don't think they give up. So it was good to see that the game was tight all throughout, and they didn't let it slip away. They had a lot of turnovers. Turnovers were a big problem in the first game. Turnovers were still a problem in this one. I think that what was different here is. What it felt like normally we do is we like get a little bit behind and then we're kind of just like in the hunt down single digits and then we go on this massive tear for five minutes and then like and then we have our lead right. It just kind of feels like we actually had that at the very beginning of the game, which we don't normally do. Like mm-hmm. normally we start out kind of slow, get behind, and have to do that. So we started out kind of hot, like we were up four at the half, and we kind of like it feels like we never really got down in this game. Like every time SFA came back to like tie it, we'd like take the lead again. So they only had the lead for one one or two possessions, and it was one point. That was their largest. Yeah, lead, and it so. was, but it was tied like a million times, right? So yep. it's good. It's good to see that rather than us, I guess it feels. I'm sure it feels like this for the players, but I know it feels like this for us too. When you're in a tight game by this, it's it's easier to be up by up by two for 20 minutes instead of down by two for 20 minutes. I feel like because right. it just doesn't feel like you're fighting uphill, especially being at home. So it was it was good that we pulled it out, but I think that's a big factor why because obviously turnovers were still an issue, defense was still an issue, but the fight was was evident and and a chance McMillan has that dog in him. So. I thought that was so funny that he tweeted oh, that. Man. That was <laughs> some, great. Some picture of, of just the x-ray with the dog in it. That was a, a career high scoring for Chance McMillan. That's that's twice in the last two weeks or so that he's done that. Yeah, man, he's really good. Got that dog in him. And it's really cool to see him step up. I know that Coach Drew had had a lot to say about both him and Kobe Knox in his postgame presser. Their thing is, again, how deep they go. They play so many guys, and so they're keeping fresh bodies out there. We're not as deep right now. And so, you know, we're, we're playing guys lots of minutes, trying to rest them with timeouts the best that we can. Um, but I think you had the guy on who, who, who was just sensational, Chance McMillan. Um, you, know, uh, you know, earlier in the season, he couldn't have played in a game you know, like this with that type of pressure and have the ball in his hands. And it just shows the improvement and the focus he's had locking in. And, and it was really just fun to watch and really happy for Chance. Um, you know, Kobe Knox, you know, I, I want to talk about him a little bit because, you know, here's a freshman playing 31 minutes. And, you know, there wasn't really a time on the court he looked out and said, ah, you don't belong or, oh, you know, you can't stay up. I mean, he made some really athletic plays for us on both ends, you know, that I, that I thought he was sensational. But, um um, you know, if you told me we we're going to score 86 points tonight, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean that, that that's a really good defensive team, and you know, um, you know, praise the Lord, credit to our guys um, for this victory, and 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 just the shot making, you know, especially our guards displayed tonight. The game from my from my perspective, and like I said, I watched it this morning, and I think I'm in the same boat as you. Where honestly, at this point, I don't know that I want to watch the games live anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it's it hard. Just, it's really tough, man. It's been way like, on. I, I want to think that if I'm watching that game live last uh, or yeah, on Saturday night, mm-hmm. I think if I'm watching that game live, I would have been a, a, just a ball of stress. 
as I usually yeah. am, wanting to blow my kneecaps off the entire game. <laughs> but <laughs> having watched it the day after, I didn't feel like that at all. Yeah. And there were still you know, times where like I was irritated win. about what they did and some things and mistakes that they made, but really like super excited for some of the stuff that I saw that was good. I thought that was so much more healthy for me as a fan than, than watching it live and hating my life for two hours. Now, granted, I was at the Grizz game, so I was still hating my life for two hours, yeah. but I, I didn't have to attribute that to the Lopes. So yeah. that was awesome. And then the other thing about it was being in, it's called Dahlberg Arena there in, in Missoula. The service was terrible. The mm. Wi-Fi was locked. And so I couldn't stream the Lopes game, which was probably a good thing. I couldn't even pull up ESPN to check the score. I had to Google search GCU basketball just to get the score up. And it would take 20 minutes for the for the browser to load. Mm-hmm. And so I would, <laughs> as you remember, I texted you. We're up three with three seconds to go. And the game had been over for like 15 minutes. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> our conversation, dude, our conversation here was legendary because normally it's like we're all we're like losing our minds about the game. And the conversation is this. I said another kneecap buster question mark. And then you said like my service is bad. I can't watch the game. And then I just said we won. And that was it. Like that was the whole thing. Just like neither of us were even watching the game. It's like, oh, we won. Cool. <laughs> So much better for our mental health. Yeah, yeah. And then we could watch it back today. It was great. The question is, if we had lost, would we want to be blowing our kneecaps off? No, I don't. I, watching I don't, it back. No, I think like even knowing that you lost is still not as bad as watching it live. Because you know you're like, they're going to lose, right? I don't know. Sure, There's sure. something about the like, you don't know what's going to happen that makes each play feel more important. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I Part of me really just wants to not watch the games live anymore and just watch them back on Sunday. But then part of me feels like a really lazy fan doing that. I don't know. I don't know. Regardless, yeah. I haven't even said one thing about the game actually yet. Yeah, what are your so thoughts? So like, like you said, we started off really hot, and I was really impressed with the ability to get the ball in the paint, and they really took advantage of kick-out corner threes. And... Part of that comes with the opposing team's defensive philosophy. Now, some teams, and, and it's not a lot of teams, I, I think particularly like a Porter Moser coach team, like back in the day, Loyola Ramblers, when they made that Final Four run, or Oklahoma now, they will not help out of the corner just to prevent the kickout corner three, just teaching the guys to make the attacker finish at the rim over you with your hands straight up, don't foul them, all that stuff. I don't, I don't think that that's how aggressive or really determined to do that uh, Stephen F. Austin was but we were getting the kick out threes really early um, in the corner and took advantage of them which was awesome Stephen F. Austin had no answers for it until they called a timeout and then all of a sudden it felt like the pressure was on our guards a little bit more we're getting a little bit of double teams early on they were icing ball screens and then it seemed like after that early timeout that they had to take after going down 10 early they started to try and hedge a little bit. Yeah, it was not as intense as as Tarleton's hedges were. And so our guards didn't have super bad troubles with it, but it wasn't as easy getting into the paint and doing the kickouts and moving the ball around. And even just swinging the ball came a little bit more difficult after after that first time out by Stephen F. Austin. But in the flow of the game, GCU, like you said, handled it pretty pretty well when Stephen F. Austin would make a little bit of a run and 
tie it up or maybe take a one point lead. And GCU handled those situations. Well, there were some times when I was disappointed with our finishing ability around the rim. I know that YO had a little bit of trouble throughout primarily most of the game until the last five minutes or so. Um, even finishing at the rim, he was four for four from the line, which was super awesome. Like go YO. But those were his first four points. And I don't think he scored again until the final five minutes of the game when he had several opportunities at the basket. Even Barry and Scott were saying on the broadcast, you know, the guards are going to stop passing the ball into the interior if the big guys aren't going to are going to score when they're right at the basket. But I, I don't think that's really how it played out. I, I know that the the team trusts each other and they're they're willing to make the right pass even when when guys are struggling. But coming out of the half, I, there was a little bit of a scoring drought for the Lopes. What I thought we struggled most with, honestly, and and Coach Drew said so in his his post game presser as well, was turnovers were, you know, like you said, we had too many of them, but they were also egregious turnovers in the sense that they had two, three, maybe even four layups on the other side uncontested with two attackers and no defenders getting back just because they were, we were turning the ball over at the top of the key. You, you know, the first half, I think they had 13 points off turnovers. Yeah. And again, what hurt is our turnovers. I mean, a couple of them, they were, had uncontested layups on the other end. We couldn't even play defense. And so cutting down those five, it looks like they had got eight points on those five in the second half. But I think that was a big key. Um, you know, for us to be able to take care of the ball, at least get it up on goal so we could get right. back and play defense and not get them get the runaway breakaways that they got in the first half. The yeah. passing was a little suspect at, at times. We're forcing some passes to the interior that were just getting getting deflected. And aside from that, I was actually really impressed with with the offense. They they shot the ball well thanks to Chance McMillan and and Ray Harrison had a decent shooting game as well. He he scored more points. He took a few more shots. He didn't get the spotlight, though, because Chance McMillan had his his best game in his career so far. So I, I'm, I'm really glad that the program and, and the players are willing to praise guys for good performances, even though they didn't have the best output on the team. You know, that, that that's just a testament to how selfless the guys are, I think, which is really cool. But coming down to the wire... What I I guess not down to the wire. I think the real turning point of the game was the technical, the first one. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna have a trivia time for you here. And it's not gonna count towards your record. But anyways, that that was a huge opportunity for the Lopes because I think it was tied when that happened, or e- either that or is a one possession game. And they had an opportunity to get a six point swing there in one possession. Yeah. Now we got five out of it. I think I think Ray missed one of his four free throws in that situation. But that was huge, and I don't think I think that was the catalyst for Stephen F. Austin not being able to overcome that deficit. And with that, here's another trivia time. Oh no! All right. With the caveat of there only being one technical on the play, mm-hmm. what is the most amount of points a team can score in one possession? Okay, so like, let's say hypothetically you hit a three get fouled on the three and there's a technical foul. I don't, does does that technical free throw even technically like, is that even tacked onto that possession? Yeah. So theoretically you can score three from the three. Well, all right. Sorry. Ask me the question one more time. 
Okay. With the caveat of there only being one technical on the possession, what is the most amount of points a team can score in one possession? Um, The answer, Connor, and you're not going to like this, but it's true. The answer is technically infinite because theoretically you can make a shot, get fouled, miss the free throw, get an offensive rebound endlessly. Okay. So like you could with no you, offensive rebound six and ones and go over six in the line and have a Jeez. 12 point possession. Okay. Second caveat, <laughs> no offensive rebound. Okay. 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 Well, that's why like, I don't want a technical because yeah. then there's no rebound. Um, uh, is, is it six? No, actually. Is it higher than six? It is higher than six. Oh, all right. Give me the scenario where you can get more than six. Oh, oh, oh. If there's no offensive rebounds. Okay, hold up. Yeah, because like with a technical, there's well, no it offensive depends. rebounds. It depends. Well, you get the ball, right? So like you you get the inbound, right? So like yeah, you hit a yeah, yeah, and you yeah. get an and one. So it's like, I, I think it's eight. It's actually 10. It would be oh, 10. All right, give me, give me the scenario for 10. Shoots the three, fouled okay. on the three, bucket counts. Okay, so you got the three points. You get your foul shot plus the technical shots that happened, right? Oh, yeah. So then you get three free throws. You make all of them. Then you get possession. So you've had six is points. The tech, is the tech two or just one? The technicals. Tech is two, in tech college, is two yeah, in college, I think it's always two t- uh, two shots on technicals unless it's, a f- unless it's a flopping technical. I don't know. But a regular technical would be would be two free throws. Okay. So you're looking at six points right now, assuming all of the free throws are made. And then Another you get possession, play. <laughs> hit the three, get fouled on the three. <laughs> okay. Knocked so in a world it. where you get a tech and two four-point plays, you can get 10. In exactly. a world where you're really good at intentionally missing free throws, the limit does not exist. And there's no caveat for no. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. All for right. no offensive rebounds. So, yeah. Yeah, man. All right. <laughs> cool. Now that we know how many how many points you can get in one possession with the caveat of only one technical and no offensive rebounds. We can continue on with the Lopes game. The the, the last thing I really have to say is the Lopes took care of business down the stretch. They made the free throws they they needed to make. Um, They they got buckets when they needed to. It was crazy that we were in the bonus with 1150 or something left in the game and, and then double bonus for a large portion of that 11 minute 50. So I, I think that was, very helpful for the Lopes. Sometimes you could just get a little lucky, and Rayshon Harrison was lucky twice, banking in two threes. So, yeah. But aside from that, I think they performed really well defensively. I think they could have been a little bit better. Got, uh, gave up paint penetration a little bit too easy. And then you just, it's hard to play defense when you got two attackers behind you because you turn the ball over at the top of the key. So, just how it played out, I guess. But I'm 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 glad that the Lopes won. It's nice that I didn't have to watch it in real time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I got a couple of plays of the game though. <clears throat> oh yeah, I'm really excited for these. Okay, so let's do the offensive play of the game first. Still underway. Lopes fans remain on their feet until the home team hits their first bucket. Millen to his right. I thereby close it. Troubles uh, scoring from the field. Best thing to do is to draw up one where he's pulling alley right at the rim on the live wire game. McLaughlin slammed it down. Oh, Sal, that in the workout yesterday. They were working on it. The feed from McMillan to that left side of the glass. So the Lopes starting a four high set. 
what you can get out of this is you can either get a horn set going or you can get a rip screen coming off these these two wing players. What we have is Kobe Knox and Rayshon Harrison playing out on the wings. Chance McMillan, who just got the tip from Gabe McLaughlin, he's running the point. Rayshon Harrison, bottom of the screen. Top of the screen, you have Kobe Knox. They are going to cross in the paint. Kobe Knox is going to fill out towards the corner. While on the opposite side, which is the far side of the court, Rayshon Harrison is going to set a flare screen or a back screen for Gabe McLaughlin. Chance McMillan's dribbling towards the near side of the court while this is happening. And then it's just a simple little lob up to the basket. Gabe McLaughlin slams it home. First play of the basketball game. And this is this is really awesome. I, I think the Lopes need to utilize set plays a little bit more. And, and I'm not a huge set play guy. But when you're coming out of a timeout, you should be using more set plays. And, and I think the Lopes do that. But especially coming out of half, coming out of the tip-off, whatever it may be, script the thing just a little bit. I mean, it's not football. It doesn't have to be football where everything's scripted. But that was an incredible set, incredible play. So many options out of that four high. So many options out of those two wings cutting towards the basket and and. We just got a nice little back flare screen and a lob to Gabe McLaughlin, which is just ended up in an awesome play. So really yeah. cool to see. No, that, that was that was really great. I like off ball movement. I think we need to do more of it. And and like you said, especially with our offense being so stagnant, I think the more set plays we can run, the better. And obviously, you you don't want to be running those the whole game, but I do think we <clears throat> need to utilize those a bit more. And obviously, right there, it just looked really good. McLaughlin's just so athletic, man. He's awesome, dude. He's just a beast. Yeah, he struggled he a little bit in the paint, uh, in the paint for this game, but yeah, I think he still had a really solid game rebounding and yeah, I think he had twelve. Yeah, so he he, yeah. he came out and he did exactly what you expect him to do. So I do yeah, I do really think solid. he took a couple of the corner threes, and I'm I'm totally okay with him taking those. I think the big thing is those are high percentage shots and they need to start falling for that guy. Yeah. His game, his game opens up so much when he's hitting, hitting those open jumpers, whether it's from three, whether it's a, a mid range, he, he has a really nice touch around the rim. Like we've said. So if he, if he can just get those to fall at a consistent rate, he has a high ceiling. If he starts making some jumpers and then our defensive play of the game, the juice looking for somebody. So this is late in the first half. GCU has a five-point lead. Stephen F. Austin has an inbound on the side uh, on the sideline. Before a screen even comes, Kobe Knox is forcing baseline, and we actually had a defensive play of the game like this previously this year, where we had Kobe Knox forcing sideline and ended up being a great defensive play of the lo- uh, for the Lopes. But the screen comes up, and so Kobe Knox is already in ice position. The ball handler has no ability to use the screen. Kobe Knox still able to force to the sideline or to the baseline. The uh, the ball handler picks up the ball and is trying to throw it to the uh, to the screener who's kind of rolling to the basket, but he's just pop into the short or the, the to the elbow. Gabe McLaughlin is there to deny the pass. The ball handler tries to do a couple of pivots, step around and try and get a shot off. Not a great idea because you still have 11 seconds on the shot clock left. 
Baker is just in position. Bake show goes up, gets the block, and then the ball's tipped around a little bit. Gets away from him, but Josh Baker dives for the ball, grabs it from under two Stephen F. Austin players, and is able to not only secure the ball, but also pass it off to Rayshon Harrison, who is able to pick it up and start advancing the ball down, down to the Lopes half of the court. So just an awesome play by Baker. Just being a dog down yeah. there on the floor, forcing those guys to the baseline, doing a great job of icing the ball screen. It, just really great execution by Josh Baker. <clears throat> yeah, Baker's really, I mean, he's he's a really smart defender. We we had a we've had, I think, several plays this year uh, on the defensive end where he's been involved. And I think his defensive decision making is just really good. His ability to just predict. What his what uh, the guy he's guarding is going to do is really impressive, and and that's a skill that is hard to coach. It, it's kind of just an intuition, and I think he has that intuition. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why he gets on the court at the at the rate he does. Yeah, Baker's had some really awesome nights where he's shooting the ball well, where he's finishing at the rim, and then he's had other nights where he's really struggled shooting the ball. But I think one constant remains is that he gets after it on defense, and he executes, and he does exactly what his coach asks, asks him to. He's awesome to watch on the defensive end of the court. Would you like to choose our player of the game, Zach? Yeah, so you alluded to this earlier, but I think there's something to be said about just like kind of giving guys their flowers, if you will, or or like making notes of like, hey, this guy's really awesome. So I I do want to note, according to Ken Palm, the player of the game is Ray Harrison, which I think is so fascinating considering the dialogue by Lopes fans, and I know by us, has been oh my gosh, it's the Chance McMillan game, which I think is so funny considering that like this is like still Ray Harrison as the top scorer MVP. But I think it is a matter of expectation, which is like Ray scoring 28 is like, yeah, this you know, made 11 great, free throws. Great job, dude. Scored 28 <laughs> points. Like he did the thing. Chance McMillan getting what, like 24 and six or seven from three is like yeah. crazy. Yeah. So I'm inclined to give it to McMillan because he, in my opinion, greatly overachieved what he normally does because he just played really hard and had a great game. Whereas Rayshon Harrison also had a great game, but it seems like every game for him is a great game. Sure. The, those guys are both awesome. Yeah. I'll give it, I'll give it to McMillan just because like he's like we said, he's got that dog in him. Got that but dog in him. Those guys are crazy, man. Yeah. I, I'm really, I'm really proud of, of chances game. And so I, I would, a big I'm, game. I'm, I'm totally happy with your decision there. So awesome. So let's move into Around the Whack. I'll start out with the Kimball. On Wednesday, February 1st, Sam Houston State defended its Kimball title on the road, narrowly beating Texas Rio Grande Valley 67-65. to However, on Saturday, February 4th, kicking off a messy day in the Western Athletic Conference, Sam Houston State conceded its Kimball title on the road to none other than the Mavericks of the University of Texas at Arlington. UT Arlington possesses the Kimball for the first time this season and actually has a chance to defend their title at home tonight. Yes, tonight, as they host a makeup game with the Texans of Tarleton. You're that Tarleton Marshall? We know know what you guys are called now. (laughs) Zach, will UTA retain the Kimball. Yes. UT Arlington, who is one and a half point dogs in that game, will be winning that game. Your reasoning. 
Tarleton is ranked considerably higher, and that's why they're favored. But if you look at Tarleton's home road split, they're an entirely different basketball team. And like we said, when we were preparing to play them on the road, obviously they're like 12-0 and at home. They're very good. This Tarleton team is really good in defensive at home, and they are just horrific on the road. Not to mention, I, I do think UT Arlington is kind of coming into stride. I, I don't think they're as bad as perhaps we thought. I think they're playing better. They're doing a better job of defending home court. It just seemed like UT Arlington is kind of trending upwards and Tarleton still this is great. This is coming off a, a 12 point win at home against Sam Houston. They've won three out of their last five. So I, I expect them to win with that being said. And then Tarleton's kind of just a nightmare on the road. Like, let's be <laughs> honest. They they're like the, as good as they are at home, they're just as bad on the road. They're zero and nine on the road this year. So we have a good chance of UT Arlington holding on to the Kimball for another week, or at least until their, uh, their next, probably matchup. not for a week, but th- yeah. through Monday, yeah. Uh, and again, Tarleton is is the favorites in this game by a point and a half. But I think that uh, I think that outright, UT Arlington will win. We yeah. we know we know how important the Kimball is. Like oh, it yeah. is a prestigious award. Do you think that if UT Arlington, granted they are at home, if they upset Tarleton, did their students rush the court in celebration for retaining the Kimball? No. You don't think so? If, if you storm the court against a team who's ranked 199th in the country, <laughs> you suck. <laughs> so, so wait, hold up. Who is who is Tarleton's rival, or who is Arlington's rival? Do either of these teams oh. have a rival? Because I feel like Sam Houston State and Stephen F. Austin are are, are a rival, right. right? Yes. What about what about RGV? And I'm told Utah Tech and Southern Utah are rivals, which is cool because they're literally 45 minutes apart. Yeah, and Utah Tech Stadium is awesome, which I just found out today. Yeah, and so is the Southern Utahs. But yeah, those teams are cool. Um, I don't know. Is uh is Arlington? I think Arlington and RGV are travel partners, right? So are they rivals? Maybe I don't know. And if so, I don't know what the deal is with Tarleton. I, well, Tarleton's new, right? Like they're new to D one. Yeah, yeah. This is their whereas like year, RGV so. and Arlington have been around. So maybe maybe they're in the GCU CBU phase where like they gotta kind of feel it out. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they will I'm gain curious. themselves a rival in this conference. So you saw that St. Mary beat St. Mary's beat Gonzaga, right? I did. Yeah. So I saw this whole thing about how the St. Mary's students didn't rush the court and how that's like the biggest disrespect to your opponent of all time. <laughs> Not rushing the court. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is, is that when UTA retains the Kimball this week, their yes. students are going to completely disrespect Tarleton by not rushing the court. Yeah. Tarleton because... Tarleton fans, you need to take this to heart. Barstool Tarleton, holy cow guys, you better you better be prepared for the most massive disrespect. More more massive than us not knowing that you're the Texans. I can't wait for Tarleton to win this game by 37 and then just have we're just going to be in Barstool Tarleton's <laughs> mentions. Um No, Tarleton's uh... good. I don't know. I mean like, yeah, I've just never seen it like and I know we like obviously home court advantage is really important. I've never seen a team like Tarleton, man. I have never seen a team 12 and 0 at home and 0 and 9 on the road. Like that is crazy. <laughs> oh, seriously. This is an entirely different basketball team. They got Not dudes. A road game they got dudes that can only play home games. Their names are like Bronson and Shaquille. And then the guys they send on road trips are like Ichabod and Gerald, Gilbert, Huey. They're ten and one at home. Who did they lose to? UTRGV. Oh, oh wait, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. 
this is great. This is going to segue us into the Saturday games, which is the Western Athletic Conference is so stupid. <laughs> Here's who won Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Here's yeah. who won Saturday. The Grand Canyon University Antelopes won. They probably and the, were, they were supposed to. And the five lowest ranked teams in the conference. One of them being New Mexico State. Teams 13, 12, 11, 10, and 9 won. Yeah. Along but with keep, the Lopes. Keep in mind, one of them was playing against Tarleton. In Tarleton? Uh, they were playing, excuse me, they're playing on the road where Tarleton's 10 and 0 with wins against GCU and Southern Utah. Playing on the road in a high school gym? Listen, I'm just going to tell you some things. All right, relax. I'm going to just tell you some things. Keep in mind, I, I do. I, I can remember a week ago when the Lopes got absolutely trashed by Tarleton. Here's the deal. Okay. Saturday was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay. okay. Because, and we, we prefaced it. Here's the thing. I think we didn't do this justice last week. I prefaced it by saying all the good teams are playing all the mid teams on the road. And it's going to tell us a lot about how good these good teams actually are. And what level of competition there is. But I kind of expected the good teams to still handle business on the road. And boy, oh boy, did they they not not. do it. Which tells me that the gap between the good teams and the bad teams is even smaller than I thought. However, the Wimmers disagrees. Yeah, but the Wimmers wants you to think that Sam Houston State is, what, eight points different between them and UT Arlington. But UT Arlington just smacked them at home. Yeah, I don't know, man. UT Arlington's good. They looked really good in that game. Like I said, man, I think UT Arlington's coming into stride. I don't think they're the worst team in this conference. Let's I not think forget, they're figure they it out. ran with the Lopes in GCU Arena for a half Yeah, until the good. Lopes just shot out of their minds, just unconscious the entire second half. So that game was wild. Arlington winning by double digits. It was crazy. They were nine-point dogs, and they won by 12. Tarleton finally, like, Beat like we said, they just smoked Grand Canyon, and then they finally lose at home to UTRGV, who's like kind of bad. So like, I don't know what the deal is there. Um, New Mexico State beat the brakes off of Seattle. New Mexico State is back. Let's talk. Seattle about these is teams. bad. These are actually the two teams I want to talk about the most. So let's just get into this game. New Mexico State beat Seattle at home by seven. I foresee Seattle U having the exact same season they did last year. Where they start off really hot and then fizzle because they're not good. Yep. They had last year to open up conference play, an eight-game winning streak, and then they came to GCU, got beat by double digits, went to New Mexico State, got beat by double digits. The wheels kind of fell off the bus, and then they lost in the first round of the tournament to Abilene Christian. And I think the exact same thing's going to happen to them this year. Hey, 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 hold up, though. Hold up, though. Nope. Abilene Christian eventually made it to the championship game. Yep. That's that's team. really great. And 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 like let's like look, Seattle U's overrated. We've been on the Seattle U's overrated train forever. Even after they beat Utah Valley, Seattle U, they're overrated. It was a good win. No, it was a good win. They, solid they, solid win. Yep. Overrated. It was a really good win, but Utah Valley, I like I don't know. I think what we're 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 seeing here is this. The whack is unpredictable. Anything can happen. Can Seattle U still win the whack? Sure. Sure. But for whatever reason, it seems like Seattle U cannot maintain this level of consistency throughout the entire season. And it seems like both last year and what seems to be looming this year is 
They happen to hit a skid at the end of the season, which is the worst time to hit a skid. And then they go into Wack Vegas on a skid and they're just a first round exit. Obviously, they're really talented. Obviously, they have that massive win at Utah Valley. They're certainly talented enough to do it. But this is the wrong time to start skidding. Yeah, no, no kidding. You you never want to be playing your worst basketball in February. <laughs> yeah, you can play some trash basketball in November. You don't want to. You can play some trash basketball in December. You don't want to, but you you are in really rough shape if if February is when you start falling apart. And their schedule is not good. They're actually, according to Ken Palm, they're projected to have a four game losing streak. Not including the two games they've just lost. Not including they're they've lost four in a row right now. I'm saying outside of those four, they're actually projected to have another four game losing streak. They're projected to beat Utah Tech and GCU this week, which like I could see them losing Ooh. one or both of those games, you know. But even if they win, okay, then they're projected to lose the next four at Cal Baptist, Utah Valley at home, at Grand Canyon, at Utah Tech, and then they finish up with the layup game, UT Arlington at home. But even then, like. New Mexico State lost that game. So, like, whatever, you know? So, yeah, I don't know, exactly. man. I can see them going 0 and 7. I can see them going 4 and 3. I can see them going 6 and 1. The whack's really unpredictable, but this is a really, really, really bad time for Seattle U to lose four in a row. And yes, they have lost four in a row. Things are looking bad. This is the wrong time for things to be looking bad. There are, there are a few things in the whack that are predictable. And here they are New Mexico State's going to beat GCU twice, three times in Vegas. Yeah, three times if you include Vegas. And then Seattle U is always overrated. Yeah. It's just how it be. It's tough. But I think you're right. The other flip of this game is New Mexico State. New Mexico State is back. I said it. Here's the thing. I was early on the New Mexico State is back train. I actually said it when they lost Utah Valley. Just by watching that game, it was evident. Like something clicked. They figured it out. And despite getting down like 20, they were down like 21 points, eight minutes into the game. They looked absolutely terrible. Something clicked. They only lost by five, and I thought, like, uh-oh, that's really scary. Remind me, was that time. in Las Cruces or was No, that it was in Utah Valley. Valley. Okay, got you. And they lost by five, and it was the first time since, like, way back, since, like, they beat UTEP, right? Since, like, earlier in the season, it was the first time where I thought, like, oh, this team, like, looks good again. Got you. Then they went on to beat Stephen F. Austin. They went on to beat Seattle U. Granted, both of those games were at home. They now have a big game Wednesday. We're going to get into it on Wednesday's episode, but oh my gosh. Do you have anything else whack related for us, Zach? Um, Abilene Christian picked up a massive win at Cal Baptist. That was really surprising. They won by 16 on the road in Riverside. Uh, I really no idea what that's about. I don't know. They're our biggest movers. They jumped up from like 11th all the way up to 8th Very on the Wimmers. Very surprised by that. They actually jumped Cal Baptist. This conference is anarchy. Saturday was anarchy. Every game was an upset except for the GCU game. This conference is nuts, and I don't have anything else to say. It was just par yeah. for the course for college basketball in general. A lot of, a lot of crazy stuff happened on Saturday. It was that, yeah, that the was... wax not usually like this, man. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, Saturday was a bloodbath nationwide. But yes, in the WAC, it was unbelievable. So Yeah, yeah. and the, the only team to squeak by and not get brutalized was Utah Valley, and that's why they are up top, because they... They won in Utah Tech. They did what they were supposed to do, and then they they only had that one game this week. But so I mean, then Utah Tech went and just smashed. All right, they didn't smash, but they beat Southern Utah by seven. Yeah, so right. So there's that game as well. So like, yeah, there were five upsets, yeah. and GCU beat SFA, which I guess some people might consider an upset, but I I don't think so. 
Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in this Monday. Be on the lookout for the Wednesday episode coming out soon. But until then, Lopes up. Lopes up. Big bucket by McMillan for three. Dishes out the blaster for three. Go! Harrison. Up high. Put back by the corner. Push back out. Harrison quickly to the block and drives baseline. Barrel. No doubt about it. Oh, Barrel, you bounced out of your seat on that. I think Barrel with a big right hand. Give a look a three-point advantage. The Barstool with the, the Texas barstool, of Tarleton. The, the Barstool <laughs> Tarleton guys made fun of us, and then you just said their name wrong three times. <laughs>